episode 18 season 2 of the Tottenham Hotspur family podcast uh, Merry Christmas especially to all our listeners joining me this week from the south coast of England Bex Good evening and from Costa del Weymouth Zach <laughs> Ah Boutros Boutros Kali as they say although I'm actually in I'm actually in London and I understand Boutros Kali is possibly a Chelsea interim manager <laughs> one of many they've had right um We've had two games since the last podcast, so we let's begin with Saturday um, Boxing Day. We had um, Norwich City at home. Um, I was at the game. Uh, another convincing following back of the previous week um, against Southampton. Um, another win. Another clean sheet. Um, good to see Harry Kane get a couple of goals, and also good to see um, Tom Carroll get on the score sheet. Um, I thought we. we one of the things that stri- struck me about that game was the fact that just generally the whole t- team, the starting lineup, played really, really well. Um, particularly the, for me, the standout performances. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Hugo made a couple of good saves. Um, Kane, a couple of goals. Toby, once again, solid at the back. Um, in fact, all of the back four were really solid. But Lamella, Dembele, and Ali, those three were, were just played their socks off with that game and really just. Showed a lot of energy and high tempo, and apart from apart from the first, maybe I don't know, fifteen twenty minutes, um, like twenty five minutes, Kane scored. I think prior to that, I think Norwich looked okay. They looked decent. They didn't look like a poor team. But as soon as we got that goal, um, we took control of the game, and only looked like there was going to be one one winner. And in fact, I think that three nil, we probably could have done better. I think Toby had a chance, and so did Deli Ali. Um, you know, it was quite a few, and there was, and of course, second half. You could forget Lamella's Rabona. So, really, really good performance, I thought. Yeah, I didn't see the game. I was um, getting slightly socially confused, but I was keeping up to date with at least how it was playing. Mark Stoll was very kindly messaging me with, you know, what was going on with the game, and I was keeping an eye on Twitter, so I did at least see the game, or see the goals. Sorry. So, um, yeah, I'm glad you had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Christmas, and here's three points. Zach, what did you think? Um, yeah, I, I managed to catch the game later on um, uh, Sky Extended Highlights, which I do like when they do that, and the game's not on BT. So you can really sit down and watch it for a while. So that I thought the early 20, 25 minutes, they were really pressing us, and they were full of confidence from the Man U game, really, which they did tremendously well beating the, the strugglers. Um, and then they, um, we sort of weathered that storm and sort of they, they let them punch themselves out, in a way, use a boxing analogy. Um, and then we just sort of powered on, and um, we really sort of took control of the game. And really, you know, the thing we didn't do today in that first half was then sort of score when we were on top. Uh, we did well against Norwich. We did score when we were on top, um, and like you, I think um, Dembele, Lamella were excellent, 
Um, you know, Dembele just gets stronger and stronger, and um, and I, I love the way they're making um, our our friend Javid eat a huge slice of humble pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you now convinced on Lamella and Dembele? Yeah. Um... <laughs> To play, well, to, look, I think to fair, he's, I, been, he's been wonderful, I, hasn't he? He's been I, a different player from last year. I think no one saw this happening. Both of those players, um, you can't question their abilities. It's just the fact that they had a tendency, both in the, each in their own way, to frustrate a lot in the Tottenham shirt. Um, but now they're pr- they're showing what they can do, and they're showing what they can do on a consistent basis. Um, Lamella is obviously quite. You know he's he's good at pressing and he's quite tenacious, but he's starting to show that bit of confidence and that bit of purpose in the final third that I thought was lacking in his game for, for a yeah. player of that ability. You know, is it him um, that balls up the four on one against Norwich right at the end? I mean, I agree with you completely when you said, "Oh, you know, we should have scored more." I thought we could have scored, but initially they were, but then once we broke them. You know that we could have, we could have been. I said there's one word I put down about that, um, about that performance was was clinical. There was, there was we played really like we played against West Ham, hmm. a continuation of that. But we really lacked that that clinical to really you know put them to the sword, which we could have done. And there was at one point there was a four on one I think, and we managed to somehow balls it yeah, up. Yeah, that was um, that was Lamella I think. I think Lamella and Kane were involved in that amongst mm. others. And they, everybody ran too tight, didn't they? They all ran instead of like spreading out to make it impossible to defend. They kind of made it easy to defend by all standing on top of each other. And um, Lamella, I think, so, ran out of options yeah. uh, and, and and wasn't decisive. To, to be honest, sometimes you know that that sort of thing happens. And and at three nil, three nil up, who cares really? Mm. Um, <laughs> we certainly could have had more goals there. I felt. And yeah. I'm, right. It was. Um, I think three 0 slightly flattered them, if anything. Absolutely. Um, I mean, and Jerome, um, I've never seen a player being called offside so many times. But ridiculous things. It was just. You don't remember Jermaine? Um, I, well, I think yeah. that. I think they something about have... the J. Something about the J initial. I think that. Um... <laughs> oh. Um, I think that uh, they must have gone to the same um, forward school because they, yeah, they, they both had a. Tendency to to um, to be called offside. Um, Dem- as for the other player that you mentioned, Dembele, yeah, he 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 controlled everything in the park. I know that everybody keeps going on about Deli Ali, and, and he was superb. Um, but Dembele, just the way he, I mentioned on the previous pod, the, the, the fact that he uses his, his upper body strength, but he's also mm. he's also got he's also got some very nice sort of nice deft subtle touches where he'll just drop his shoulder. And then turn and just play it simple sometimes. Um, but but he, he he's he can control and dictate the pace of a game. And I, I prefer him in that deeper role because I think that um, he's better doing that and controlling the game. Um, but but the, I mean the nice thing is when you've got Dembele and um, Deli Ali in the team, I think both of them can interchange. So. Mm. Deli Ali can drop back if Dembele goes f- forward and vice versa, and, and Dyer, of course, sitting um, protecting the, the, the back four. Um, the other noticeable thing about Saturday was that it was Hugo Lloris's birthday, and it was a nice touch. Second half um, when Lloris 
came out in goal in front of the Park Lane end. The Park Lane was singing happy birthday to Larice and he acknowledged it, not just when he came on, but also later on during the game. Once again, there was another rendition of happy birthday and he acknowledged it and it was really nice of him to do that. Um, okay, so that was all good, all well and good. And then today, um, we've just beaten Watford. So it's Monday the 28th of December. We've just beaten Watford. Um, By the skin of our teeth. <laughs> I yeah. think just is the right word there. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think I think Watford probably deserves a point, to be honest. No, they're um, a bunch of thugs. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, right. bloody hell. Well, you, say how, you say how you feel. <laughs> you know, don't hold back. All right, then. <laughs> now I've been given permission. Um, I just, they, there were a couple of, and it was a quite a physical game, I think. The whole game was quite physical, hence the sending off, and there were a fair number of cards thrown out. Not sure I necessarily agree with Ali so early in the game. I'm yeah. not saying he didn't deserve it at some stage later throughout the game. Um, but, yeah, I just think they were quite thuggish. Um yeah, quite happy they didn't win anything, and we've got three points. La 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 la, and we're third. So yeah, good. Well, Ali's performance, uh, wasn't it? I thought it was, it was a really, um, you know, it was a tough game. They really battled. Um, they said they were very physical. Um, the guy definitely deserved to get sent off. You know, the, the Chelsea scum, loney <laughs> person. Um, and, um, and I thought they defended Kane very well. Um, you know, when we ran at them with pace, whatever, they really seemed to get one player either side of Kane and sort of marshal him, um, quite well. But at times I did think I was watching, well, there's one for the, one for the kids here, but I did think I was watching Graham Taylor's Watford where they just hoofed a ball up in the air. And, you know, they had Dini and, and Igalo fighting for the ball and stuff like this. And a lot of it was, I think we frustrated them playing for the middle. We cut out all their passes, we pressed them and um, we kept intercepting their passes in midfield um, and so they resorted um, a long lot of time to this big hoof up the, up to their wings or um, or straight up the middle. So uh, I think that's a compliment. Um, and one thing, I don't know if you noticed, when they, they had the, the fight, um, you know, when it all broke out on the touchline. Right by, yeah, right by the managers. Which yeah, exactly right by the managers. Well, Pochettino got in the middle of everybody uh, and he, he got Igalo by the head sort of thing and, and I had a quiet word with him uh, and I <laughs> thought I gave him a peck on the cheek didn't he yeah, yeah he sort of said he put his hand round his head and said Look, don't worry son we'll sign you in January <laughs> <laughs> dear god no <laughs> I thought that was um, you know it was really nice because touched by Pochettino I mean, it just shows his class other, other managers would have just lost the plot and I mean, could you imagine Mourinho, Mourinho in that oh, situation? God. He'd have been. Uh, I think everybody. you are being but... tremendously unfair with this. I would not get involved with this sort of thing. I would not marry. I would not do anything like this. Uh, I don't know why you say these things. It is unfair. It is a conspiracy. <laughs> but you know, just total class and. But Kike um, as well. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, very, both, both of them. Very zen about it. The pair of them were like, "Yeah, all right, doesn't matter. You know, toddle on." Yeah, basically, and that's what it was, wasn't it? Mm. The um, so the Lamella's goal, um, well taken goal, um, seventeen minutes. Um, I think it was a classic case of one of those goals where he sort of uses him without using him. Kane's making that run, and then he beautiful finish. Um, now Lamella, of I don't know, beginning of the season, 
would he have would he have scored that goal? I doubt it very much. I don't think he'd um, had the confidence to do it at the start exactly. of the season. And 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 it was interesting where he was playing. Actually, just on that formation. So it to me it looked as though in the first half certainly. Um, and, and some of the second half before they had a player sent off that we looked like we were playing with a back three um, yeah. Yeah. Full, full backs were pushing Trippier and Rose um, pushing quite high up the pitch and he had Fatongan and um, Toby and Dyer looked to be sort of dropping back and sweeping um, I don't know why why Pochettino did that I don't know whether it's to do with the fact that Watford played four four two and he was trying to counter that um, but I also noticed that Lamella was just playing off of Kane. And yeah. I thought that that works quite well. Yeah, it seems to be good understanding between the two. Go on, Zach. Oh, sorry, I was saying yeah. No, I'm just about to agree with you. I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, but no, it was very good. I did feel one thing. There was a couple of points I made notes in that, and I, I love the Barry Davis quote, by the way, um, Javid, or the reference. Um, the um, I thought we were very. Um, Second half, um, we were quite often came was very deep, um, and particularly after I had a player sent off, I was screaming at the, you know at the screen to him to get up, and you know he didn't need to be back as deep as he was. We wanted defending, him. yeah, on a couple was, of occasions. There was a, yeah, quite late quite, on. There was a he headed two balls away. One the second time, it was yeah. kind of it went up rather than out, mm. and I thought when the ball came back, I thought Hugo's going to slap him for that. And a lot of time as well, you know, you think when when the ball came out, it came back, it went to a Watford player because we didn't have somebody up there, particularly, you know, after we'd scored. We didn't have somewhere to hold the ball up and just take in, take the pace out of the game and just see the game out, um, which we eventually did. Um, and one note I made actually was, was Lamella's running, a 93rd minute. He was sprinting across the back line to close their defenders down as they were trying to clear the ball. And I was just so impressed with that, that he was just running, running, running non-stop. I would like to see Kane stay up more. Um, and I felt sometimes Rose, if tactically, Rose was a little bit isolated on the left. He would get the ball and there would be no one within about 30 yards of him. Mm-hmm. So you're either expecting him to play some wonder ball into the, into the middle, wonder cross, which is from that kind of distance is quite easy to... A defender to head away or the goalkeeper to see um, or there's quite a high risk of him losing it so I felt he could have been supported by you know people coming either short for him coming inside or or running down the line a bit more which happened on occasion but a lot of times I saw sort of Rose there quite isolated we, we spent a lot of time lovely swinging it left and right um, but uh, that was just a thought really we did, but Watford didn't. I don't think they turned up with a particular game plan for today, except just to frustrate us and suffocate us. But if you looked, or every time Trip had the ball, he was just, you know, OK, what shall I do with it now? Because he wasn't under any pressure at all. They didn't put anybody on him. And mm. to a lesser extent, they did that with Danny Rose. But Trippier was completely left to his own devices. Put some nice crosses in. Yeah, he, he, he put he... some great crosses in. I think he that's a testament to how the whole team works with the fact that he's played a couple of Europa League games. That was his first Premier League game. They took Walker out. They put him in. And I don't think we suffered necessarily because of it. No, and I, I think it's interesting you should say that, Bex, because um, when when the starting lineup was announced, I think there were pro- probably a few raised eyebrows with you know both Rose and Trippier coming in, Carroll as well. Um, couple of things on that i think that you know 
two games in two days, I think you're inevitably going to rest some players. So um, Carroll came in for, for Ericsson. In fact, he, he came on and scored um, against Norwich on on Saturday for, for Ericsson. And, you know, good 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 game perhaps to, to introduce or reintroduce Carroll from the start. Um, and replacing the fullbacks, that's not... That's, you know, freshens things up, up a bit, but it doesn't actually affect the spine of the team. The main thing was the spine of the team. Your Larice, Toby, Toby and Jan. Yeah, yeah, it was all Dyer, all of that. that. That's all kept intact. Um, Rose did okay. Trippier, yeah, pro- probably you would have looked at that starting lineup beforehand and maybe said that was the weakest link, but he, he played really well, I thought. There was a few times I noticed, I don't know if either of you, either of you noticed it, particularly in the second half when they went down to 10 men, when... Um, he was out on, on the right-hand side and he was asking for the ball, yeah, which you could absolutely. see, but nobody was passing to him and it was really frustrating. Oh, but I, I, I know that we got the benefit of... He had his hand in the air, didn't he? He had his hand in the air saying, I'm here, I'm on the, I'm mm. beyond the last fullback. play me in, play me in, and nobody saw he's only, it. he's only three foot six, that's why, you can't see him. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> which is but, unkind from somebody that's five foot two. That's I was going to say, actually, that's a, bit, that's a bit rich, isn't it? But, um, yes. <laughs> but when, when they did... When they did Put him through. He did, as you say, Bex, put in a few good good balls. Um, but there wasn't always somebody at the end of those balls, so to speak. Um, but I think he did all right. You know, I yeah. think that would have been, again, good for his confidence. And now, and also good for Poch and the team as a whole. So now Poch knows that he can, should he need to, should he want to do that again, he can put, he can leave Walker on the bench and he can bring Trip in and it's not going to affect the team overall. Absolutely, and if you think about it this way, I, I would I'd, I'd imagine Walker will start on Sunday against Everton. The week after that, it's the start of the Leicester duo, isn't it? Yeah, it's Leicester duo. So we've got two games against Leicester. First one's the FA Cup. Now I'm, I'm almost certain I could be wrong, but more also certain that Trippier will start the FA Cup tie. Now imagine if he came into that from the cold. The fact that he's played today is good because he's not coming in from the cold. He's he's had a bit of a run out. You know he's. And, and he's done well, as you say, and that'll do his confidence um, good. Um, we can't lose again. No. We oh, absolutely course. cannot lose no. that game at this stage to Leicester in the second, in, in, two years in a row. There's a well, guy that, at work that's a Leicester fan. I'm not putting up with the shit from him again, <laughs> really. <laughs> I think on your point, though, Javi, we got two um, under our system the um, fullbacks put a tremendous amount of work in I mean not mm. just in terms of distance covered but the speed at which they're running you know they're bombing up the wing they're bombing they're, they're coming they're sprinting back to cover and they're bombing up the wing again they go through a tremendous amount of work so if you're going to rest people I think it makes sense to rest the fullbacks and he almost seems to rest them as a pair but I think yeah. that that's fine and I think that that's really sensible management um, I thought Carroll was a little bit for, for a very physical against a very physical team, I thought if we had a weakness today, that was it was him. I mean, he certainly missed Dembele, his strength mm. and his um, uh, just how he imposed himself on the midfield. Um, when when Dembele went off, we really did miss him. I felt yeah. and we lost a little bit control of the midfield. Um, and if there was a weak link today, I thought Carroll was a little bit lightweight, although great at passing. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, but then. The reverse of that is that perhaps Ericsson needed a rest, and um, it was a good opportunity to Carroll to come in um, instead of Ericsson rather than um, on the same pitch as Ericsson. Although, albeit 
that's what eventually happened when when, when Dembele went off, went off and, and you're right we, we missed Dembele Dembele's presence the midfield thereafter um, just an interesting point you made Zach about the fullbacks if you go back to Kyle Walker's breakthrough season 2011-2012 he played a hell of a lot of games without any rest um, not only all of the pretty much all of the Premier League games but also as I recall he was playing on he wasn't being rested on the Thursday in the Europa games which Harry wasn't taking seriously and but he was still playing Walker as I recall in most of those games now that might he might you know he Walker's don't get you know he's 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 an athlete and and maybe he can um maybe he can his body can um handle playing so many games better than than other players but eventually it's going to catch up with you and, and I can't help thinking that in that breakthrough season if he hadn't been rested a bit more he might have avoided some of the injuries that he subsequently got um, and now we've got that competition with Trippier on the right and on the left with Rose and Davis so we can rest the fullbacks and can alternate them and there's also healthy competition which is which is good spot on I think you're right we did but if you look back then we didn't have anybody else I mean who yeah. did we have we had um, the other Charlie. style Charlie did we have Charlie yeah. on the book still Ch- Chaluka I don't think so I think he was gone by then I don't I think we had um, the other Kyle uh, Norton um, and we no, had, he, he was he was loaned out to Norwich that season was he? I don't know I, I mean I'm, I'm thinking even maybe last season you know we didn't have um, we didn't have anyone else to, to, to come in the last couple of seasons would not and now had, he can rest properly and he does get through a tremendous amount of work and he's still fairly young um, and um, and developing uh, and he's a tremendous athlete but you know even you can't be at that the pace that he runs at he's the fastest thing on le- on two legs and um, yeah, the, the amount of running he does sometimes I think he relies on his pace to get him out of situations where his positioning isn't quite right yeah I think I think I, pace pace over brain is definitely yeah. a, um, <laughs> an order it's an attribute yeah um, just on their goal their equaliser um, do either of you think Dyer could have done better with that or was it a case of strength and determination by Igalo I think Hugo could have moved because the ball came off Igalo's foot and went a couple of yards mm. and Hugo had that time potentially to come forward and smother it <gasps> he didn't he stayed on his line you can't criticise Hugo yeah, you can't that's just... <laughs> no I, th- I think I think that's harsh but I think um, I think I, he, he could have moved he could have reacted a little bit he yeah. was a little bit flat on his yeah. heels he could have reacted a little bit and got to the ball quicker but he was still you know at, at that point bearing down on goal last line defence ball at the striker's feet it would have been a fantastic um save if he had done that and he has made so many fantastic saves in the last you know these last couple of clean sheets um that you you've got to say you know it's not you can't really question him as such but i thought possibly when igalu was up against um dyer you've got the two other center backs maybe they should have been intervening as well helping Mm -hmm. him out you know the ball's in front of him will someone challenge him from the other side someone get behind him to not allow that which i know is is, is wonderfully easy to say in hindsight but i would probably prefer to be have him against toby um or jan who are the sort of dedicated backs and 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 dyer being the person that's just in front of them protecting yeah I mean, look, Toby would have outmuscled him. Simple oh, as. Toby. Really. Bang um, <laughs> crush. Yeah. Right, so m- moving on. Um, <laughs> I thought 
Nothing to be ashamed of, Jeff. Yeah, so, so the really frustrating thing about that was that afterwards, when they went down to 10 men... Um, what were you know, they doing? They, they, they did that typical thing when te- teams go down to 10 men and sometimes it, you know, it becomes more difficult to break them down. But we weren't... We had the extra man advantage and I don't think we were really using it. And the irony is, it was just a passage of play um, in the last, I don't know, 10, 5, 10 minutes where they were starting to really push forward and we were dropping back and inviting them and they came close to scoring and then straight afterwards we, we got we got that goal which um I don't know I, I think to me I think a draw might have been a more if I'm going to look at it objectively maybe a draw would have been a fair result but you know sometimes you've got to play you've got to you, you don't play well um and you need that bit of luck and today we had that um, I thought we did play and... well. Um, I think we um, we created a lot of chances. I thought, I think I said earlier to somebody, um, I thought what we should have done was um, was when we were on top, when we were on top in the first half, we needed to get that second goal. And I think a lot of times we were a little bit slow with the passing, we were a little bit um, not progressive enough, we were a little bit square and as opposed to really driving at it when we had them... Um, there for the taking, which is what we've done with other teams um, over the last couple of games. At those important times, we've really driven at them. Like when we scored one goal and then the other one straight afterwards. I think it was Southampton, um, and which is obviously a different Southampton that, that beat the um, Arsenal team, as, as we know. Um, oh, did, it, did the Gooners lose? Yes, apparently uh, it, was a, it was a different Southampton than the ones we beat. Just like it was a different Monaco that we beat. Oh, okay, you know, yeah. not the same than we beat them. Okay, no. But um, but yeah, oh, it's sorry, that point of scoring again? when you're on top and really pressing home the advantage. Which today, if there's any criticism, and as a young team learning, that's what we kind of really need to do um, to attack in, have all that energy in in that sort of space, and really drive at teams at that sort of point. Kind of get that second goal. And then go back to farting around and playing it sideways. <laughs> it was four nil, by the way. Oh, Bex. thank you. I wasn't quite sure. Oh, who yeah. soon? Did Arsenal win four nil then? Ah, okay. No, Southampton four nil. Oh, they beat Norwich four nil, did they? They did. Oh, sorry. Could you repeat that score again? What was it? I missed that. Well, apparently, according to Arsene Wenger, Southampton is a really difficult place to go to to get a result. They're a really tough team. This is the same team that we beat 2-0 the previous week. Oh, um, yeah. So it was 4-0 to Southampton. Mm. Um, and I love the fact that, I think it was their second goal, Walcott had the ball and he was going forward and then he gave the ball away and uh, they scored from that. Their first goal was an absolute screamer. It was fantastic. Mm. Oh, it, it was a goal. Yeah curling wasn't it it's beautiful yep. if anyone's not seen that watch that and yeah. just for the fact it's Arsenal as well as the beauty of the goal it's wonderful to see going but apparently apart from that goal I'm sure there was something wrong with that goal but Wenger explained there was something also wrong with the second goal the third goal and the fourth goal so they were really unlucky um, to lose by four goals and they had two goals disallowed that were um, perfectly valid goals of course of course, he saw all of those things. Yes, uh, I think, uh, yes, it's clear. He couldn't see it, but I did see it. Yes, clearly. Yep, great advert for Vision Express. Um, <laughs> j- just final thing on, on, on today. Um, just after we scored, obviously, you know, four minutes of ex- extra time were, were played. And around about the 92nd minute, they were through on goal. And I thought they were going to score. And Dyer put in a really good tackle. Um, so well done, Eric Dyer, on that. Um it was immense. 
Mm. Now, um, Zach, earlier on we were talking about bright backs and last season and, and uh, the fact that there's nobody pushing um, Carl Walker, which is true. As, as I recall, some of last season we had Dyer playing at right back. Oh, did I, do, I, do I recall some phrase like, we've got to get rid of Kyle Walker, and I remember saying, no, we shouldn't. <laughs> He's excellent, and there's a future, and you said he has no future at Spurs, or something like that. <laughs> That's not a conversation I recall. Now, having. now. Anyway, oh, so, live on the um, talking, of, talking of Eric Dyer, um, so, and playing at right back, so that moves us on nicely to Everton. Um, and I, just, I was just reminiscing about when we played them last season. Um, Final game, final game for last season. We went to Giveson Park, um, and we won one nil. And it's always quite difficult if you look at our, our results in recent years. We either tend to get draws there or, or lose, and they always give us a tough game. But last season we played really well. Um, but it was a match where we had Dyer at right back, covering. I think Walker was injured. Mm-hmm. We had the Tongan and Fazio, <laughs> and then as I recall, we didn't have either Rose or Davis, and. Bentelab slotted in at left back, um, and, and we won that game. Um, so we've got one next. Is that out of a Tongan result and wouldn't refuse to play left back? <laughs> Probably, yeah. It's, it's funny though because we've got the Tongan and um, Toby Alderweireld, both of whom play um, back for their country. Yeah, for, for their country. Um, anyway, I digress. So Everton next. Um, I think that's going to be a really tough game, and I think maybe more so by the fact that we're playing a wounded beast because they've just lost four three at home to Stoke. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're good though, so, suspect, aren't they? I hate to say it, they are good. Suspect Arnautovic penalty right at the end. Oh, good. He's in my fantasy football team. <laughs> they're, um, I said it on the last pod. They're my dark horses to push for top four. I'm not gonna. I'm not saying they're gonna do it, but I, I think if you're gonna, um, people go on about Liverpool, for instance. Um, and I always have a laugh um, or despair, one of the two, when I when I hear their name mentioned. But I think Everton can finish higher than Liverpool. And I think, for, for me, that Dark Horses, um, I think Barkley's having a good season. You've got Stones at the back. Um, I'm not convinced by Tim Howard. And Lukaku, Lukaku's banging, banging them in. And they're also... when Delafeo. Delafeo, yeah. Wonderful. True, and then when you go back to even when Moyes was manager, they used to have this tendency where they would have one bad season followed by a good season, bad season, good season. Now, two years ago, their first season under Moyes, under sorry, under um, Martinez, they did really well. Qualified for the Europa last year, they didn't have a good season, and they had to um, contend with playing Europa on a Thursday and then Premier League on a Sunday. Um, oh. This season, they they seem to be doing well again. So I think they'll give us a tough tough game. I'd, I'd rather they had got. I don't know a draw or a win against Stoke than to lose four three. So I think I think it's going to be a tough game. Um, if I'm going to predict, I'd probably say it'll be one all. They must have some bruises though. If you play a Stoke team, you know, even yeah. without even I don't know if Charlie Adams yeah. on today, but I'm not sure how many of the Everton players will be um, crocked. And you know, they would have had a more more of a physical battering than we did against Watford, and mm-hmm. our game was physical. Um, but Stoke are a very physical side, and um, I think they have a great front four, but um, and they have a very solid defence. But I don't think, um, in terms of a squad, I think it's a uh, those players get injured. You know, Bojan, wonderful, and Shakiri, and um, also Anatovic. But if those guys get injured, they I don't think they've necessarily got the squad of players to to come in, and um, they'd lose a lot. 
which is the sort of difference really between the teams that, that, that consistently challenge and um, over season and teams that, that don't. I think that that's perhaps why they don't get the credit that, that they do, because they don't have that strength and depth and maybe they don't have the resources to, to splash out on players in January. But I think that I think they'll do well this season. Um, two two is not two two is not looking so bad now, is it? <laughs> um, it was a shit game, though, Zach. <laughs> it was oh. horrible. <laughs> we went, we met up at that, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, exactly. That's um, true. Life by that game. <laughs> right, predictions for Sunday. Um, I start with Bex. Three two. To us, yeah. Zach, um, Everton. I think we win two-one. Lukaku will score because we seem to have trouble against someone that's physically imposing strikers like that, and he's on some form. But I think we will. We're better than them, and we will grind out a result. Okay, I'm travelling up to Merseyside, and I'm going to sit on the fence and one all. Oh, um, a lovely you ground. Not a nice place to visit. <laughs> Sorry, but. No, Nope. Um, yeah, sit on the fence. That's what I'll do. Um, can't get a seat, unfortunately. Um, just on, um, just coming back to to to, to 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 today and where we are um, in the league. So we're now third in the table, um, halfway point of the season. Nineteen games played. Um, despite conceding one goal today, we've still got the best defence. Fifteen goals conceded um, only. Um, the nearest. I think best of that are Palace and United with 16. And we've got the best goal difference at the mo- moment um, with 18. But, um, and United, City... to play, like United are playing Chelsea, aren't they? So they're playing now. Yeah. That should be, so that should what... be goals for both sides, I should think. So there are uh, three games happening now. Arsenal-Bournemouth, United-Chelsea, thank you, and West Ham-Southampton. Southampton have just scored, but I don't know who. Okay. So that's one end. <laughs> City play Leicester tomorrow night, so there's a possibility that City, well, if they draw or win tomorrow, they'll overtake us, um, and they might obviously have a better goal difference. But we shall see what happens. Um, but you know, who who would have thought it? Tottenham best goal difference in the Premier League um, at the halfway point of the season, best defence, defensive record. It's a bit uh, scary. scary, isn't it? <laughs> it's it un- is. It's unusual. Um. I think it's. I think that it's going to be a really. I mean, everybody's saying that you know this season has been really difficult to predict, and the so-called um, big boys are dropping points here and there, and then you've got Leicester surprising everybody. But I think, given all of that, I can see that, and there's no shut signs at the moment of anybody running away with the league. I think it will be very tight come the end of the season um, for top spot and for um, for the final Champions League place for fourth. I think I can see it coming down to goal difference, and I wonder how. Well, I think it would be quite significant that we've got such a good goal difference at the moment, um, and it could be hopefully come the end of the season. Good. One of those things we just have to wait and see, doesn't it? Make the end of the season that much more exciting. It does, and wouldn't it be great if we finished above Arsenal on goal difference? No, I'd rather finish above them on points. On points. Yeah. For the first time in however many years, it would be wonderful just to finish above them, wouldn't it? Yeah. The last time we did that was twenty was twenty years ago, nineteen ninety five. I thought we hadn't done in the Premier League. I thought it was the only. I thought there was some weird stuff. No, the only we, team we haven't finished above in the Premier League era. We did it in the ninety four ninety five season when Graham got sacked halfway I, through. Uh, um, 
the, the, the cleansman season. Um, Don't you know their reputation that was? I think we finished um, we finished eighth possibly that season when Jerry Francis was manager and and um, I think they might have finished fourteenth or something ridiculous. Really? Yeah. Ninety four, ninety five. Um, I'll, I'll look it up later. Right. Um, Bex, have you got an update on the Spurs ladies? No, because they haven't played. Okay. So they got beat in the last game that you mentioned. That was on the 20th, and they lost 4-1 to Brighton and Hove Albion um, in the league. Their next game is on Sunday the 3rd at Chesson. They play Lewis, and that game's at 2 o'clock. So there's nothing going on in the world of Spurs ladies until then. So they've had a nice break. Cool. Okay, let's um, let's do some questions now. Um, all right, with it being Christmas, um, Eddie, Elsley asks, "What's your worst Christmas present?" I don't know if he means this year or just generally. Who from? Me? So I, I'll, I'll go. Yeah, um, go for it. I I was looking at this, and I think generally I've been quite lucky this year, and I've had quite good presents. Um, and um, I don't think there's been anything that's been poor. Um, but the person, my, my dad, sorry, my dad's the person that normally gives me a really bad Christmas present. Um, and um, the two classics that stand out as a cake stand, as a t- sort of 25-year-old, he gave me a cake stand, the sort of ones that, you know, you have on several layers, Tears. several levels that, that yeah. sort of grand, grannies serve tea on and things like, well, not Granny Braddock, obviously, but other grannies <laughs> that aren't serving, you know, shots or whatever serve yeah. sort of cakes on and stuff like this and i remember thinking how out of touch are you for me dad that you think i would ever need a cake stand and then he bought me this set of baby elephants the ornaments and each one came in a personalized box and had a personality and, and stuff like this and i remember looking and thinking he said i asked the lady in the shop and she said do you think this will be suitable for a 28 year old blah 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 and she said yes it would well, as she's trying to sell you them hmm, funny that but I remember looking at these thinking what the why would you think it was I would ever want this <laughs> but they were yeah my dad's a king of crap presents but he's just resorted now to giving me money um, and I've resorted to arguing about it I wanted to find me a suitable present so <laughs> over to you Bex um, I I've been thinking about this. I haven't had, you know, apart from the fact that I have a 12-year-old who has limited cash. Um, so this year, bless her, she's bought me some emery boards to replace the one that the kitten has eaten and um, two tins of uh, the little Vaseline lip seal. So, you know, it's not the most exciting thing to receive, but what do you say to your child when she's gone out and bought that for you? Sorry, they cracked up there for me. I didn't hear what sort of... I, I heard you know, balls, but I didn't hear if they were love balls or whatever. I you didn't were. say that. Nice try. <laughs> Honestly, you're really, you cracked up at that point and I no, just heard I balls. No, I didn't say that. So, um, I said emery boards. Oh, right. The filing okay. nails and the little tins of Vaseline lip cell. So, not crap, you know, ultimately useful, but a bit kind of, you know, consumable. It's quite clearly stuff that I'm going to use anyway, but it was a bit, oh, okay, that's lovely, thank you. In case I can't afford to go buy that myself. This year. I got some aftershave and I really wanted some socks. I really wanted people to buy me things like socks and pants and aftershave. And uh, someone actually did my mother half, did buy me some really nice aftershave. So I was quite pleased with that. Okay. And what about you, Jab? I, yeah, but a bit like the fact, I can't think of any bad ones I've had. Certainly not this year. Um, what did Toby get you? <laughs> three points. Um, 
six points. Six, six points. Yeah. Six, six even. Six points. Um, you many, 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 oh, many. I was hoping ago. for a magazine from Flav, but it didn't arrive. So was I, but yeah. there you go. I still haven't. I still haven't read through um, the last edition, um, or I've read through some of it, but um, yeah, some of the pages are sticking together. Um, <laughs> the um, the Toby Annual, a, po- a pocket calculator, I think, many years ago, many many years ago, which was pointless at the time. Oh. Silence. Yeah, I just I don't know how you top that. The excitement is huge, isn't it? So, um, next question then. That's Mr. Right. Elsley's answer. Mark, Mark Stoll, um, tell us your favourite Tottenham goal of 2015. Don't <sighs> Anything that Mr. Lamella scored? Or after the wank fest the other week, is it not permitted to say that you like anything of Lamella's anymore? <laughs> okay, I think both mine. Both of mine are probably Kane's, actually. I think um, the Kane 2-1 against Arsenal goal, you know, that was one of those times you really wish you were in a stadium, you know, and those people were lucky enough to be in a stadium. You know, that was just the atmosphere. The place was rocking. Uh, and then when Kane scored that second goal against the Woolwich, that was wonderful. But the other one for me, obviously, New Year's Day, once the fifth yeah. goal had mm. gone in, and I actually, at that point, that we might win, and it was possibly that we might not bollocks it up this time uh, only at the fifth goal did I actually think I think we might be alright now <laughs> um, but that's maybe just years of being let down and being knowing there's nothing fan. as dangerous as Spurs as a 2-0 lead yeah <laughs> yeah I'm going to be predict- predictable I'm going to say exactly the same too um, as, as you Zach um, Chelsea and Arsenal Kane Kane's first one against Chelsea um I mean, it was the equaliser where he sort of picks up the ball um, and then shot across the, go- across the goalkeeper and then the winner against Arsenal. Um, I have to say, the other thing I love about that goal, as you know what a big fan I am of the um, poisoned Portuguese dwarf, is to me that signalled the beginning of the end of Jose. At that point, he looked shell-shocked. He really looked like his arrogance and confidence had been shattered and from that point on, I don't think it was the same. They went into their shell and they, yeah. they've they been playing really good attacking football, un-Jose-like football. And that's when he started parking the bus up again, to that wasn't point. it? And we tore the park and then he, then he brought the bus out again. And they won the league, but they limped a little bit, considering the first half of the, tight, uh, of, the, of the season, they limped a little bit to the title. And then they just descended into the mess they are this season. And I absolutely loved it. As you know, my such deep affection for the um, North, the West London British Nazi Party. And um, I'm just so happy to see them disintegrate. The, the one that neither of you mentioned, um, and I, I thought you might do, would be Ericsson's goal against Sheffield United in the Cup. Um, the reason I didn't mention it was because um, I was working on that that day and so I, I had a very limited access to the match so I saw I was just I, I couldn't even watch it on a stream and I was just following it online um, so I saw the goal for, um, or was aware of the fact that he scored um, several minutes mm. after he actually scored but speaking to a lot of people I think that, that was a, a, a moment of adulation when he scored um, and put us through 
I think right. someone on the Fighting Cock said actually this. I was listening to that earlier a couple of days ago, and I yeah. think they mentioned that as their favourite goal. A couple of people said that was their favourite goal, that Ericsson one. I think um, Ricky possibly was saying that you know he was up there in Sheffield. It was cold. It was wet. It was up north, and um, it was um, it wasn't underwater at the time, and it was just you know his real fine moment. Okay, moving along. Jeff Nichol asks, winter break, discuss, d- discuss, ruin tradition or dilute the quality of football over a congested fixture p- period. Now, I like, I don't know about you, but I, I, I like the fact that we've got games over the um, Christmas period. I don't really care much for, and I've never looked at it in the terms that Jeff has described, you know, diluting the quality of football. The only thing that does concern me is if it's going to impact our chances, England's chances at the end of the season. Um, but I, I think that we don't, unfortunately in recent years, we don't do well in World Cups and Euros because we're just not good enough. I don't think it's got anything to do with um, a winter break. Yes, it might help, but, um, but I don't... As a national side, we are shit. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I don't... And actually, how many of us would say, yes, OK, we'll have a winter break because that will improve, you know, our players will get rested... We'll have that whole slow start again when they when do they come back February, which pushes the end of the season to when June, and then when did the season start again? You know, look, August, if we, I mean, oh geez, it's no. Let's leave it as it is. Well, well, um, can I just point out? Yeah. I'm completely agreeing with with Miss um, Braddock here, but um, the uh, the other thing is what do, what happens when they do have a break? When we have had a break and things like this before. What do what do clubs do? They fill it with meaningless friendlies in Qatar and other mini yeah. in America and mini yeah. spinning places, money spinning places. They're not actually going to give the players a rest. They're going to you know they're going to see it as the PLC is going to see it as an opportunity yeah. to make more money in different um, you know different markets and all the rest of it. And um, and and the, the other thing I would say is that unless they bring back only fools and horses or some decent TV over Christmas, for God's sake, what are we going to watch? Because the TV this year in the UK over Christmas. It's been shite, yeah. Absolute trollop. I on Christmas Day I ended up watching a rerun of Only Fools and Horses, <laughs> um, which we all agreed was you know far better than anything that was on. Which one was it? Us, and it was from, oh, from, God. Um, it, it was the one with the stalker granny um, dental receptionist. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, and the riot in um, he starts yeah. singing, Del Boy singing, and causes a riot and and all the rest of it. Um, and uh, yeah. It's just, I mean, you could pick any of them. You could put any one of those Christmas specials and they would be the highlight of my Christmas day. The only decent thing I found on Christmas day was an uh, uh, adaptation of my daughter's favourite book, um, Stickman, um, which was quite nice. An animated cartoon sort of adaptation with um, Martin Freeman in or whatever. And that was the, the only decent thing I found all Christmas day. We used to so have God, if you take my football away. What on earth am I watching? We, we used to have, um, we used to have 22 teams in, in the top flight. We used to have the, the, the mammoth FA cup re- replays. I don't mean just a replay. I mean, potentially several yeah, the re- replays. Of, yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we've reduced football. And now to be fair to Jess, he doesn't dress it in those terms about England. I, I was, doing it um he's talking about the the ruining the tradition versus the diluting the quality of football but i don't think at the moment the quality of football um has suffered by us 
having so many games. The only thing that I would do is look. I wouldn't have a winter break. I would. I, I like the idea of playing football on a Boxing Day. It just so happens this year it fell on a Boxing Day. Fell on a on a Saturday. There would have been a match anyway. Um, do we need another set of games two days after? I don't know. You know. You know, we do we do normally seem to have a winter break, which is normally about the end of January when everything freezes over, and um, a lot of the times either because the test stadiums approach iced up or, or whatever. Quite often in recent years, we have actually had games called off in around you know, but it's not at win- it's not actually mm. ironically in, in winter when in, in Christmas time when the worst games are worst weather is. It's normally um, in January sort of um, end of January, early February, when you have this snow and um, games cooled off. Really? What country are you living in? It's about 12 degrees outside. Well, I'm talking, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I'm not talking about the Costa del Weymouth and, um, you know, the Costa del Portsmouth. I'm talking about the people who live up north past Watford, you know. They, you know, they have, oh, um, you know, sorry. Arctic winters and um, <laughs> polar bears wandering and, and all that sort of thing I've heard. Okay, next question. Nick Field asks, transfer money spent during the current season. Who has done well and who hasn't as of now? Uh, we've done really well. I think I think he means... The player, players. I took it mean the individual players. That's what I thought. So, I mean, done? obviously, Toby's struggled a bit, hasn't he? I think he's not really adjusted to, um, to being at Tottenham, you know, moving up the club. He really seems to look out of place playing next to Vertonghen. And, um, um, well, that's been a wonderful partnership, isn't it? It's been absolutely brilliant. It's been superb, yeah. Jav, are you detecting any sarcasm from Mr. Zach? Um, no, I'm just going to leave that in there and, 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 and it'll make him look a bit daft. Um, no. I was just watching. Okay. I was just going to wait for, I just want to wait for Jav to, to leap to his defence in the... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let, should we just? Um, should I go through players? She wanted me to go through the players and yeah. then we talk about them. So, um, Toby, I think we are agreed as a unanimous hit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Trippier has done okay. I don't think he's had a bad. Maybe he hasn't played as much as he thought he would, but he's not been bad. He had, you know, the first Europa League where it, game where he gave away a penalty with his almost his first kick. He must have thought, oh dear God. Um, but nobody's got on his back. Thing, and everybody's just you know let him do his own thing, giving him time. I think he's, he's been slow, okay. I thought he had a slow start. Yeah, but I yeah. Think he's got better and better and stronger and more integrated. And 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 you you definitely you're not worried if Walker's out and Trippier's on the team sheet. You don't think oh god, no, not worried. Like he might have done in the past. So I think he on that basis he's kind of he's done pretty well. And and I think in terms of delivering balls into the box, which we kind of don't do so well from from wide. Um, I think he's possibly one of the best at doing that in our team. Him and Rose seem to be the guys that supply, you know, he put several into the box for um, for Kane and people today that were, you know, really, not necessarily the absolute superb balls that kind of dip and swerve like Ericsson hits, but they just ask questions. He put it in that, what they call that corridor of uncertainty and either, you know, you might end up with a uh, an own goal or a, a touch somewhere and it going in. Okay, then you've yep. got yep, and then you've got Vimmer who hasn't really you can't he hasn't played enough to to make a big impression. Other than I thought the few occasions that he did start, he he's looked okay, looked looked comfortable. 
that's unfair, isn't it? You can't really make it. It's a bit like people yeah. who wrote the Miller off his first season when he didn't play and said, he's a waste of money because he hadn't done nothing when he's been injured most of the year. Yeah. Um, so I think he, shows, he showed promise. I think he could be okay. Yeah, but, um, but we, we, worry if get we can't make a we can't make a judgment really one one, no. one way or the other on him. Okay, and then that leaves. I'm not going to include Deli Ali because he came in in the Jan, in the last January window. Um, so that leaves Nji and Son. Son, unless I've missed somebody. No, that's who I've um, got. That's that list I've yeah. got. Um, Son settled well. He did really well today. I think for what the whole 10, 12 minutes he was on the pitch. Um, he's been okay. Again, not, not somebody that we expected to come in, but I think he settled into the team itself quite well. Mm. I kind of would... I was hoping for a little bit more from Son um, after that blistering start. Um, not that he was going to maintain that start, but mm. that he would play a bit of a bigger part. And a lot of games he's come on, he hasn't necessarily had the impact that I was expecting. But who do you leave out so that he can play? He scored the winner today, so <laughs> but, but it, that's what I was preparing to say before he actually scored the winner today. But um, bear in mind, he did get injured after that blistering start at the beginning. So, but at the um, moment, who do you leave out of the team to put him in as a starter? You don't. No, I'm, I'm not right. So, yeah, yeah. I'm just okay, saying. It, but not. It is an interesting headache for Poch, I think, that he has all these players that are very strong at what they do, and how does he balance keeping them all happy as well as making sure the team progresses? Okay, it's Clinton, a nice headache. Clinton, the she? Sorry? So, Clinton, Clinton. Oh, right, and, yeah. And I she. think he's, um, he showed some, some flashes of promise again and looked at times, um, you know, like he could be a, a good asset, but I think he's probably been overtaken even before his injury by Onoma. I think Onoma has um, pushed ahead of him in the pecking order. Um, and obviously now he's having knee surgery, so he's out for a few months. Um, so, again, that will be a long, slow process of him building up his fitness. So, out for two months, plus then getting up to match fitness and getting up to speed again. Um, he might he be like be a back. new signing in yeah. March. Yeah, yeah it, um, and that could be a critical point. You know, if if we continue the progress that we're making at the moment, um, Poch said, Poch, Mr. Poch, Mr. Pochettino said something the other day, press conference about. Um, I think he was asked about winning the league, and he said, "Look, um, you know, it's about where we are in those final. We need to be in a strong position in those final ten ten games. Lots going to be decided in those final ten matches." Um, so Is if that we what conti- he said, hit me, baby, one more time. <laughs> <laughs> so if he continues to, if he continues to, if we if we continue to make the progress um, from now to then, and if we're in a strong position come March, April, and Inji's coming back, um, he could be a, a really good impact sub. Um, I had a dream about him the other night that he, oh, played, no. against, he played against somebody. <laughs> <laughs> he played against somebody. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Woolwich, and he scored. Ooh, he came on. <laughs> he came on, and he scored a couple of goals. Um, Right, moving on. Um, you mentioned <laughs> Zach, you, you, yeah, we will move on. We mentioned Onoma, um, and he's somebody who, um, in recent matches, has um, has been on the bench ahead of um, Andrus Townsend. So, at J Bear sixty seven asks, do you think that Spurs will end up selling Townsend outright or trading him for a player? I think we'll sell him. I don't think. Sorry, I'm trying to compose myself after the, the, this idea of, of Javid's dreams. Um, I, I I think he's he's gone. The days 
the days of swap deals. I, I think basically, you even if you buy and sell a player to the same club, it's not a swap. I think they're two separate money. financially structured f uh, transactions with different payment dates and all the rest of it. And I think that's more like a, I don't know, uh, a football manager, FIFA type of thing. I think the idea that you swap players. But um, I think he unfortunately will go. Um, and he's a Spurs lad and he's a good bloke and his old man is brilliant obviously as well um, but I think it's um, he doesn't really seem to fit with what we want what Poch wants um, so I think he'll go and I'd be happy for him to go if we get an adequate replacement really we haven't got a massive squad and we could do with a few extra signings um, for the sort of challenge through whatever we're going to challenge for I, I suspect that he and Fazio will um, depart from this window. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay, Paul Weasel asks, um, do the panel think that Ericsson's days are numbered or what does he have to do to turn things around before they are numbered? <clears throat> um, I don't don't think they're, they're, they're numbered. Um, I think that um, somebody pointed this out to me the other day that... Um, there was a stat during the rounds that um, apparently um, he Ericsson creates a chance every 28 minutes on average, and only four players have better stats than um, than Ericsson um, in the Premiership. Um, I wonder. See, I've watched Ericsson last few games. I, I thought he did he did okay on um, Saturday, but what was noticeable was that everybody else seemed to have that bit more en energy and Ericsson looked a little bit lethargic. And I just wonder whether, um, by virtue of the way that we play, that we play this sort of very high tempo and we've got these energetic players, your deli alleys and so forth, whether relative to that on the eye, Ericsson looks, looks lethargic in comparison. Um, but I don't think it's data numbered, certainly. Absolutely not. Mm. Why would you not? Play? Is this a serious question from a, a man who dresses like a banana to go to games and um, and a nun? <laughs> and, and, and he's the Paul that we know and love. But um, I, I, maybe I, I'm, I was thinking he's it's a, a sort of devil's advocate type of question. But I think Ericsson is, is, is definitely a, um, the quality. I don't think we have anybody that can um, can pass. Um, almost Hodlesque that kind of has got the range of passing and an ability but he's also got this work rate that is unbelievable and I wonder sometimes if we were to get the best out of him if we actually said to him look as the creative kind of player maybe run about a bit less have a bit more um, but not be so knackered when you're getting the ball on and concentrate more on the creating chances scoring goals and things that maybe the excessive amount of running that he does and he's one of our guys that regularly covers the most distance in our team, whether that detracts from his ability to... I know if you're knackered, if you're playing football, if you're knackered, then... Hello? If you're knackered, then it's very... You know, you, you tend to uh, miss hit passes, you tend to um, not play as well as um, as when you're sort of fresher. No, I'd agree with that. Um, I, I think he could do with a bit of competition, maybe, perhaps. He has been, I, think, I agree with your point, he has actually, since you know people have highlighted um, maybe a drop in form or whatever, over the last three or four games, I think he has picked up again. And, then, he's on, and that was, uh, he almost bottomed out, and it wasn't a very low bottom, he was still an excellent player, an excellent team, 
um, but he was then he's then started on upward trajectory, um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I was talking about this earlier on one, on the forum, and, and I said you know that we have all these theories about resting players and where they need rest, but um, you know I've got one of these new Fitbit things or whatever which tells me how I've run and done and how many stairs I've done and all the rest of it, and you'd imagine that the medical setup at Tottenham they know everything there yep. is to know about that player's conditioning and they would swap and change players at the correct time um, for them, both their long-term avoidance of injury and the team's benefit. And it's not like we're um, like that bunch of amateurs from Woolwich who can't seem to keep their players fit. You know, we've got a professional medical set up. We're not like that, that idiot that sacked his medical staff. <laughs> Um, because they didn't agree with him or something. And um, I think we've got a professional good setup. We've got Paul Mitchell's black box, analyse everything, as well as people we're going to buy. I think it analyses the condition of the players. And that's probably the reason why we've had so few injuries this year. I don't. Uh, do you. Is there an expectation that players will perform at a set level? And does everybody else do this? The same level for the entire length of the season? Everybody has their dips, mm. peaks no, and troughs. Absolutely. Things just come off, don't they? You're, you know, you mentioned it earlier, the goal against Chef Wednesday last year. Outstanding. Why wouldn't you want the guy in your team? Mm. I mean, if you looked at Harry at the start of the season, you know, people yeah, were exactly. sort of digging him out and stuff like this, but he was actually playing very well. He just wasn't getting that luck. He was getting balls cleared from behind the line. He was, you know, hitting the post. He was, you know, it was just not not quite going outstanding saves yeah. against him. And then over the last 10 games, um, he's had that, whatever it is, that slight change in fortune. Um, and a lot of times, Ericsson hits great balls that, uh, you know, someone just gets a foot in or is just intercepted or somebody fails to control properly. Um, or like today, I think it was a brilliant one forward and Gomez came and cleared it off... Um, Kane's head um, and you know sometimes you get those breaks and sometimes you don't but over a season you know that Kane's playing well over a season he will score and you know that Ericsson is playing well and he will score chances because yeah. he's quality yeah okay moving along Rob Wills asks two questions um, first part do the panel agree with me that Harry Kane is better than Gareth Bale and second can we actually go on and finish above the goons this season um, quick answer so the first one is um, I don't think you can no. compare Kane and Bale um, really no. um, and can we can we actually go on and finish above the goons yes we can do I think we will probably not I think you're right I think they're different players and I think statistically he's probably scored more goals but um, I, I think they're different players um, and it's you, you can't compare a striker to a, a sort of winger come attacking midfielder uh, and, and and say, you know, is, is Hugo better than, than Kane or something, you know, two different positions. But um, they're both vital. I think Bale was a more key part of our team. He was winning matches single-handedly, um, whereas Kane is more part of this Tottenham machine, um, you know, the finisher. But he's not by... Bale was just get, getting making goals out of nothing. Mm. Um, but I think, to be honest with you, I think Arsenal finish top two. Um, if we finish above them, I'd be very, very happy. <laughs> yeah. Bex? Bale is a different player. 
to Kane. He lifted, he would lift an entire team. You know, he'd make something out of nothing and he would change the whole way the game looked for us. And Kane isn't like that because he doesn't need to be that player. We don't need to have just that one star player anymore because it's a whole team effort. Yada, yada. We've all said that all before. Um, so, no, is the answer to that. And secondly, yes, we can possibly, potentially, maybe finish above the Goons who are only leading 1-0 at, um, at home against Bournemouth right now. So, yeah, we can. Well, of course we can. Why can't we? But will we? Will we actually do it this year? Will this be the season where we've got that, I don't know, the, uh, I don't the, know. The, the ask mental me again, strength? Ask me again at, in the middle of April. Javid, can I quote... Can I, you're, you're a man who likes a bit of politics. Yep. Can I quote a politician on this? Yes, Go we on. can. <laughs> As Obama said, yes, we can. Well, I hope. I hope we do. Right. Um, Devan Pandya asks, considering the go-to formation of choice is now 4-2-3-1, unless you believe those damn 4-4-2 hipsters, Watford, um, how many of our regular 11, how many of our regular first 11 could be considered as the best in their position in the Premiership? Um, He goes on to say, from a pair's point of view, I can't think of a better centre-back pairing than Jan and Toby. Um, I agree. I think they're probably the I think Toby's the best. Um, have I mentioned that? I think he's the best. No, you've been really quiet. I don't understand why. Um, I think he's a, probably the noises in best, the best centre-back in the Premier League. And, and uh, Zach, you mentioned Hoddle-esque passes. It was one or two passes t- today that Toby made. I mean, great, great vision. Just great on the ball. Um, yeah. Um, sorry, I got carried away at the moment. Misty-eyed. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, Right, I was looking at having a quick look at players in 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 other clubs, and to be honest, I don't think I'd swap anybody. You know, position for position, um, I wouldn't swap anybody with with Lloris. Um, you know, last season, you might say that I can't. I, mean, I can't think at the moment, off the top of my head, anybody that's better than Lloris. Um, certainly not De Gea, although. I mean, you know, last season had a really good season. I'm not too sure about this season, although he, you know, he's still a good goalkeeper. Um, Butland. Stoke is doing quite well, but I wouldn't swap Lloris, even if for the sake of argument, even if he's like the second best goalkeeper in the Premier League, I'm, I'm still quite happy with what I've got. I'm happy with the centre-back pairing, I'm happy with Kane, I'm happy with Dyer and uh, Dembele and Deli Alley and Lamella's now showing what he can do and I don't, I wouldn't change anything. No, because you upset the balance of the whole team, I think. Yes. If you did yeah. change, if you brought anyone in, it would take time potentially for them to settle in and I like the way we have it at the moment I think there's a nice even balance but but also that's true but also is there anybody out, out there outstanding that you can think you know last season for instance Hazard was pulling the str- strings at Chelsea but is there anybody out there that you could say do you know what I'd, I'd like him in the team um because he's no. better than yeah no I'm, str- I'm struggling like- there's players I'd like to, you know, I think we, we have room in our squad. There's players I'd like in the squad, but not that I'd like as a replacement. I'd like yeah. them as addition. And and you mentioned, I mean, um, Harry and Hugo, um, you know, outstanding, I think, the best in their position. And um, and although you could argue that company plus company's a better defender, um, company, but, but, you know, he plays with various clowns. And um, there's not, a, you know, there's no, you know, look, you go through the teams, um, there's... 
Chelsea obviously are having all sorts of problems. You know, United, God who knows with their defence. Um, you look through the whole thing, there is not a better centre-back pairing than that. And they are so, they're such a unit. They're so, so they played, they've actually came from the same team before they went to Ajax, I didn't realise. Uh, and they obviously play together at Ajax, they play together for Belgium. They are such a good partnership and they will only get stronger. Um, and I'm sure that lots of other people came in. I've heard that other people came in for Adel World as well. But basically the thing was, it was Jan, you know, Jan's mate. He wants to play with Jan and he's been brilliant. So, and I would add people to what we've got, but I wouldn't swap anybody. I wouldn't want to take mm. anybody away out of that. Certainly not out of the first 15 top 15 16 that we have okay next question Greg Taylor asks I have no idea if it will make a difference but do you think that maybe if we can keep going on as we are and get a Champions League place whether that be through the through um, the Europa League or or, uh, through league positions we may find ourselves the preferred choice for temporary residents of Wembley I don't know if it's got any bearing on it ultimately I think that all the relevant parties will will come to a decision. Um, Definitely. I mean, why why would you want you know, given how Chelsea fans behave in the metro in um, Paris and how we know they are, why would you want that lot in there instead of a beautiful club like Tottenham? Well, who, who in their right mind would make that decision? Oh, if you, okay. If you look at it, preferred choice perhaps, but I think ultimately whether anybody plays any club. T- side plays at Wembley is another matter I'm not sure if that's if that will happen if we can't fill the 50,000 there's the, the lower tiers of Wembley if we can't fill that then it's pointless building a new stadium of 61,000 mm. well isn't there still isn't there something about um, Wembley local council and stipulates that you can only have so many events yeah it's in the contract isn't it yeah but yeah so if I, you close a top tier then, then you can have more that limit which makes it about 50,000 so yeah, yeah. you can't have the full whatever it is ninety thousand, but you can have the um, lower tiers, um, which is around about fifty thousand, and have um, have that as a a football venue, regular football venue. But um, yeah, it'd be nice to play at Wembley again. It would be nice, and just to go off on a tangent for a bit, it it would be nice. But wouldn't it, would it then take away the magic of playing at Wembley? You know, at the moment. It's, it's something you do if you get to a final of a League Cup or an FA Cup. Um, or unfortunately, unfortunately, semi-finals as well because now they're played at Wembley. Or if you're an yeah. NFL outfit, um, yeah. or a rugby league outfit, or your U2, or, or your um, well, with the Sherpa yeah. van trophies, Paint Johnson's doodah. No, but I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, but I, I mean, for, for, for us as Tottenham fans, look. Over the course of a season, we would get one, two, three opportunities, including the semi-finals. Um, and if we played there um, every other week, would it be so special getting to a final? Do you know? You know, it's, a final is nice, but you can never guarantee that. What you can guarantee is turning up week in, week out. So it won't matter. Because nobody cares that it's Wembley. What they care about is the fact that it's not Brighton and it's not Milton Keynes. And we still have somewhere to play that's relatively local. Mm. I think that is the bigger part. That's what most fans, she says, would 
consider because they're going to look at their travel arrangements. They're going to look at, you know, how much extra is it going to cost me? Are the club going to do anything about that? Milton Keynes, Brighton or Wembley? Really? Given the choice, I reckon most fans would stick at Wembley. It doesn't matter whether it would take away... You know, would it be any less special? I don't think that's a consideration. If we if we do move in, let's just to, to, to Wembley. It will be the twenty seventeen eighteen season. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Imagine if we won the league there. That'd be great at Wembley. <laughs> um, it's also selfishly, it's also twenty minutes also, away. What's the alternative? Sorry, what's the alternative? Well, yeah, yeah MK, MK Dons. Unfortunately, alternative is that awful franchise club. I won't set foot in that ground for everything it represents, which is wrong. Um, yeah. and, and remember, as the song says, um, North London is blue and white. Absolutely. And traffic permit, from a purely selfish point of view, traffic permitting, it's only about 20 minutes away from me. So. Oh, well, um, that is it then. Don't, that's it. Don't, don't they yeah. know who you are? <laughs> um, okay. Uh, final few questions. For try to go through this as quickly as possible. Sam Moore asks... At what point do we, as fans, start to think that Tottenham can mount a serious title challenge? Now, he he goes on to say that um, you know, he knows that nobody expects us to, um, to do that, but given there are three sides above us, um, I think he broke this before today's match, um, they've either beaten City or that are capable of beating at home Leicester um, and Red Filth, I don't know if he means United or... Um, no, it means that lot up the road. Oh, Woolwich. Um, if we can do that and take points of City at the Etihad, then it really is in our own hands. A big ask, but not impossible. To add to this point, imagine if we did win it. The whole club, the whole mentality of the club would change overnight. The f- first one is always the hardest, but once you get that under your belt, it really sets, um, sets you up. Expectations. Yeah, raises expectations, and it, and, it, and it also, it's a confidence thing. Um can we mount a chat title challenge? Well, I, I, given the fact sorry, that Leicester, Leicester, who have spent no money, don't have the travel, don't have the support that most of the other bigger teams have. They're very much, they tend to still be quite a local club. Um, look what they're doing. Nobody's saying they, well, people are saying they can't do it, but there's nothing to prove that at the moment. So there's no reason that we can't. I don't know how serious it is, and you won't know that until much later in the season. But at the moment, we're still in the mix. Mm. And there's... you. I can't see anything that makes me think, oh, God, you know, we are punching way above our weight. We look settled. We look in control. We look like a team that is winning those crap games that previously we'd have lost. So there's no reason for us not to think that we can. I think we're certainly capable of... Look, the, I've been sporting Spurs for over 25 years, and 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 in all that time, I think this is probably the probably the first time <laughs> that I think we've had a team. We finished third in 1990, but since then, the closest that we came, we finished fourth twice under Harry, and the last time that we did that, I you know I think we went really close, and we were third um, for quite a lot of that season. Um, but the difference between then and now was um, well, a, couple, a couple of things. One, you had um, the circus surrounding Harry Redknapp. You also had the fact that um, we had some really good flair players, but we didn't have that. Um, spine. We didn't have spine. We didn't have a cohesive 
unit that we do now. And also, if you looked around us that season, you had um, both City and United, both of whom were really good, both of whom you could see winning the league. If you look at it now, we're a lot, we're a much more solid outfit. We're really difficult to beat. This is probably the most you know, solid, resilient team I've seen in my lifetime as a Spurs supporter. Um, we've certainly got the best centre-back pairing since I don't, God knows when, probably um, Mabbott and Goff. Um, but also the teams in and around us, there isn't one that's really, you can say, is looks like they're going to walk away with a title. or There isn't somebody that that's threatening. Everybody's dropping points. Um, and not only that, they just look vulnerable. Um, so it's certainly our best chance in a long time. Whether we will actually do it, I don't know. There's still a lot of football to be played. But I think one thing I do know is if we continue in the in the vein that we have done so far, if we put together another run of, um, I mean, what is it, 19 matches played, um, only two defeats, if we put together another run of unbeaten matches, but this time hopefully with, with more wins along the way, then we will be there or thereabouts. And it could, as I said earlier, it could come down to goal, dif- mm-hmm. to goal difference. Win as many games as we can. I think um, in answer to the question directly, I think the simple answer is March. Um, when can we think about whether we're challenging for a title? In, see where we are in March. We have a dreadful record in March. Um, <clears throat> and if we sort of get to that point and we're still in the mix, then we can start to think about that. Um, I'm glad to hear the players not thinking about that. I'm glad that they're taking each game as it comes. I have this dreadful feeling that um, that we will finish, I, I think we need to finish third because I've got this sort of sneaking suspicion that Manu will go and win the Europa and then well, they'll do a like that Chelsea on us and we'll miss out again um, but Really? I, I think, think United would be quite happy just to you know, win a game convincingly at home at the moment far less No, they'll get, a new, manager in. They'll get a new manager in February and it will be, you know, I don't know someone decent that will actually turn them around and then they'll somehow you know <laughs> fluke fluke the Europa you know on off the backside of someone's own goal or something and um and then that would that would knock out the team that's in fourth because then I don't think United are going to finish in the top four like he said very bravely I don't think Chelsea are going to finish in the top four um and I think it's there for us I don't see anybody playing better football than us the only other team I see playing on a part the only other two teams I see playing I think well that's good football is probably Leicester and Everton um apart from that I don't really see people that play football that impresses me consistently um and um so I think if we're still in there in March then it would be great although I have this theory that Tottenham only ever give you hope so it can drop you from a greater height. And over almost 40 years of supporting Spurs, every time they lift me up there, they just drop me from a greater height. And I was there in, in the 80s when we were a top-of-the-table clash against Everton, midweek top-of-the-table clash. And we were there at the lane, and we managed to lose that one 2-1. And then we dropped, I think, from being, you know, we were a good competitors for first place then. That's the last time I can remember us competing seriously for the league um, and then we dropped down to um, a very 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 lowly sort of or very distant third um, and um, so I mean it's you know it's great to, to dream to dare us to do but I think we'll think about it in March and just see how we go we're still there in March then we can think about it do you know what I think we should just enjoy it just just yeah. enjoy it for what for what it is because just 
you know, there's that old adage about take take players taking each game as it comes, and I think as fans, you know, it's yeah. difficult not it's difficult not to get carried away. It's difficult not to to to, to dream. It's difficult not to look at that table and think. You know, everybody's dropping points, and we're doing actually. You know what? We're, we're doing okay, and you know, if we beat this team, and if we beat that team, and we'll look at a fixed, that that's fine. But I think we should just enjoy it for what it is, um, because absolutely. You know, it might be different next season. It might be like I, 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 I actually, I, I think we've got a good, good few years ahead of us. I think the foundations are there, but I think we should just enjoy it, really, because hey, we've all had between the three of us, and. And anybody listening to this pod, unless they're a, a, a newcomer and they're very young, um, and they're new to Spurs. Um, if if you've supported Spurs as long as I have, or, or, or longer still, then you've had so many false storms along the way, and so many disappointing and barren years. So let's just enjoy it for what it is. Um, Absolutely. Okay. Final three, final three questions. We'll do this as quickly as possible. Kent Goodrich asks, which Spurs player, manager from the past is extremely overrated? Which is underrated? Um, Simply, George Graham, overrated, antichrist of football, underrated, Keith Birkinshaw. I was going to say underrated, Keith Birkinshaw. I don't think he ever gets the credit for anything that he did. Um, Overrated, hmm, Harry. Tactical genius, go on. Can you run her out a bit? Yeah, all right. And, um, well, good at what he did, but wasn't. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I think. No, no I think we, we deserve credit, but I don't think he was a tactical genius. I think he was lucky, really. I but he did that. He motivated players, didn't he? Yeah, I'm not looking what he did. I just. And we play some of the best football I've seen us play. For yeah, yeah, but I just don't ever. think he was as fantastic as maybe. Those rose-tinted memories are, are. A lot of people mm. are like, "Oh, you can't!" Oh, no, no, he was brilliant. Well, you know, he was all uh, right, but really, I can't think of anybody that's been overrated, player or manager. I think they've either been good or shit. Um, <laughs> underrated, I, I was going to say the same as you guys, Birkenshaw, the manager, for player. I'm going to get shot down for saying this, but somebody I liked in in the barren years in the 90s that I thought did did a really good job for us was David House. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that season when um, 94, 95, when Aussie was manager at the beginning of that season and we were playing fantastic free-flowing football, but shipping in a lot of goals. When, when Jerry Francis took over, one of the very first things he did, he dropped Ily Dimitrescu and brought in David House and he protected the back four and did a really good job. And I thought it was actually disgraceful the way he was treated in his final season by Christian Gross, um, who barely picked him um, when we could have done with him that season. Um, when we were fighting relegation, and it wasn't Didn't through. Give a a no? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, that, you know, there's a classic c- c- case in point. C- Christian Gross. Christian, Christian Gross. He's just just shit. You can't say he's over over overrated or underrated. He's just shit. Full stop. Um, Speaks highly of you, though, Javad. I'm sure he does. He was right. totally toilet, wasn't he? <laughs> he was. Gosh. Uh, see, but that's it. Goes back to what I was saying. You know, we had those. It just makes me cringe remembering that, and then I look at where we are now, and we should just just enjoy it for what it is. And you know what? There's going to be weeks like um, when we played Newcastle a few weeks ago. There will be a few more matches like that, and that's no different from any other club um, that that's 
competing at the top of the table. They'll, they'll, you'll have bad days at the office, um, but we shouldn't get too despondent when we do, and and we should when we, when we are doing well, we should we should enjoy it. Um, no, right, far- that, Jeff, I was just going to say, mm-hmm. I, I think you're really right here. I think this season I've had a or I've had a bit of an epiphany. I've had a bit of a, a a different idea, and it's probably not all mine, but I think some other people have said it on podcasts. I think what we have to do is just enjoy the football. Um, if you set ourselves up that fourth is where we should be and then anything else but fourth is failure you're kind of setting yourself up for disappointment when there's at least five richer teams than us um so if you think right you know if we end up in a you know if you say like top six top seven um is okay um anything better than that is a bonus and you look at it that way um then you're not going to be beating yourself up because we finish fifth and have a bloody good season and unluckily miss out on fourth um, or we finish fourth and Man United win the Europa and we miss out on the Champions League or whatever. I don't think it's the be all and end all, this holy grail. I think at the end of the day, I'm I'm loving watching us play. Um, I feel very connected to the club. The players are all, you know, all Real our people. own, as we, say, as we sing. Um, and, um, you know, and I'm really enjoying it. And um, if, it, if, we, if that means that we finish in fifth or sixth or whatever, it won't detract from the fact that we've had a bloody good season. And I've enjoyed watching us. And it's, you know, as we used to sing, you know, we've got our Tottenham back. Yeah. And, and as you said, we we don't have the resources um, that, that of, of, you know, City, Chelsea, for example. There are other clubs that have got a bit more um, financial mus- muscle than us. We've got a fairly young team. We don't have the experience. These are young players that are still learning. So the fact that we are where we are is remarkable in itself. And we should rejoice in that I mean you wouldn't want to be a new Woolwich and be and you have fans that are miserable every year about finishing fourth but I'm yeah. not sure we should well, use this finance thing look at what Leicester are doing this season with nothing look at how Bournemouth are doing okay this season again with nothing they're Watford. coping well yeah Watford who are just a bunch of thugs but I said that earlier but so these the smaller teams the, the gap isn't quite what it was for whatever reason so don't think you can always lot, say it's a financial thing. If you look at the finances of the people who own the club, there's a lot more wealthy. The people that own Leicester now are quite wealthy. The people that own Watford are very wealthy. A lot of the smaller clubs are owned by people that are quite wealthy and can put money in, and yeah, they can the turn down. They, they can turn but, down money. They can turn down money from Chelsea um, and, and and Man City and stuff like that. They can turn away that sort of money. Um, you know, even West Brom can turn down 25 million. Everton or... earlier this season with with Stones. with Stones. Stones. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there is a lot more money in the game now, um, and and that's kind of and I think possibly that's the reason of why there's more bit more of a level playing field. But I, I don't know. I still think over that whole season you'd be surprised if Leicester finish um, in the top three. I know, but haven't uh, they made things a lot more interesting this season? Oh, m- yeah, you know, sure. I used to I used to start every football season, you know, as a blue-eyed optimist, thinking that wide-eyed optimist, thinking that we're going to win the league, you know, every time, yeah, just buy, all we bought is you know Waddle and Steve Hodge, and that means we're going to win the league, and just this player we bought, he's going to win us the league, and you know, and then I sadly that's disappeared over the last few years, <laughs> and and every it wasn't just us, it's every other team, Everton thought they were going to win the league, Villa thought they were going to win the league, Norwich, and. You know, yeah. however unrealistic it was, it was at least Christmas before you thought, oh, we're not going to now, it's going to be another mid-table or we might struggle with relegation. Um, and that's that's a beautiful thing if you if you can have that in football and not this, you know, oh, you know, these 
spoil fans of the top four, big four, uh, uh, expecting to win every game, expecting to win the league. I mean, look how miserable Man United fans are. They expect they got an entire sense of entitlement. They think they should win every game. And they're outraged that they're not. I'll tell you what's really both romantic and exciting about this season. Um, On the one hand, as a Tottenham fan, I I think that I go into every game and it it feels a bit like um, when that final season under Redknapp where it was just exciting. Each week you're just looking forward to the game and and I felt we could beat anybody. I didn't 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 matter who it was, you know, if it was say City or whoever, I felt we could win that match. And I've got that same feeling now. But I also have a feeling of it's gonna be tough. Whoever it is. Apart yeah. from maybe an Aston Villa, for example, but but generally like, you know, what your Watford, your Stokes, yep. hard matches. Um, they're gonna they're gonna give us tough games, and that's 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 fantastic. Okay, um, final two questions. Um, Oliver Lees asks best football film. Um, I think there have been a few ropey films. Well, yeah, but there is there was that sort of series of, of, of films with the the lad who comes to Newcastle from South America. Um, there was a couple of them that were quite good, but generally football films are quite poor. But the fact it's got Aussie in it, the fact it's got, you know, the people it's got in it, you know, some real quality people. It's I think Guy Jinx pointed out on a forum the other day, it's as cheesy as hell, but you have yeah. to watch it, you have to love it. And the interesting thing what we thought about it was, um, you know, we haven't got time to go into it now, maybe another time, is um, if you were to remake that film, who would you get? Which football pundits Legend. and players and things like this would you get to play what roles in a remake of the great escape that's a good that's a good question in itself um which we haven't got time for i know no we haven't got time for um for new year <laughs> aussie that film we had you had aussie you had bobby moore um, pele pele obviously um and then you're scraping the bottom of the back you had john walk um who was in the ipswich team at the time russell osman i'm trying to think who else still only um, goal yeah, footballers. Um, it it was. Did, did you have Alan Ball or? Yeah, I think wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it was. Um... And some. I think on the other side there was some real. Um, on the, I think there was some real um, quality players on the, the European players, Czech players, and things like that. They had as well. It was cheesy, but it's probably the best of basically a bad bunch of football films. Yeah, it's a beautiful piece of cheddar. Um, am I allowed to say Football Factory? You can say whatever you like. I've just said it. I've just said it. Um, um, those football... glory, glory days. I've not seen that. Oh. It's that Judy Welsh film. Yeah. I think that's... Oh, I know. The 66 mm. World Cup one. What's the 66 World Cup one about the Jewish boy with his bar mitzvah? Not that's very... No, never seen it. That's very good too. There's, a, there's a, I don't know if this counts, but there was a film. I think it was called Goal or something from the 1966 World Cup, and it was sort of a documentary type or a cinema graphic type film um, that just followed the tournament from start to finish. Oh yeah, um, like a sort of documentary type thing, and that's that's really worth watching. Um, and it's done from the perspective of somebody who's never been to, to, to UK or, or, or to, to London before, so it talks about things that you know, maybe you and I, we would take for granted, but it, yeah. you know, it, it's um, that's that's a nice film. But um, 
There isn't a book, yeah, the, there isn't a film. There was that that documentary that um, the Tower of Brendan Rogers or whatever it was called. You know, the thoughts of Brendan Rogers, where oh. these envelopes and the stuff like that. I think that's definitely not in the top film, isn't it? I think I've heard about that film, and I think I'm probably well, documentary even. I think I'm one of the few people who who have fortunately not watched it, um, and I don't want. Have to. you not? Have you not got a photograph with him? No, <laughs> no, no. 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 You turned um, him down, did you? Yeah, I did. Um, those glory, glory. Is it days or nights? Days. Days. Yeah. Um, I mean, I liked it in so far as it's about Tottenham, obviously, and and I think that it's it captures that or it tries to capture that that period sixty sixty one. Um, I thought it was a bit a bit lame as a film, but. Um, hell, I'd, I'd watch it again if we. I watched it earlier this year when when we got to the um, Capital One Cup final, and because I was going to that um, in the days before it, um, I just watched it just to get myself in the mood. Yeah, it's all about the lead up to that, isn't it? That whole season. Yeah. Um, I really like it, but I don't watch many films, so maybe that's why. Okay, final question. Mark Stoll asks: Tell us your Tottenham predictions for 2016. Bex. I'm not telling him that. I can't. Not until we finish the end of this season. Impatient man, you can bloody well wait. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ridiculous. For next season, Christ alive. Let me get finished with this one first and predictions and you know predictions. I think he means. I think game. he means the calendar year 2016. So the the remainder of the current season. Oh, I have no clue. Still not answering. Okay, so I think that. Um, my pursuits of bagels in the South Lower will be as difficult as ever and I think that we're going to continue making progress and finish finish third and maybe win a trophy and I don't think that we're going to lose Larice and Kane or anybody else Okay. So that just leaves you Zach um, oh, the, the film was called actually 66 that I was thinking of, which is a very good film if you want to check it out. A boys bar mitzvah clashing with so, the 66 what, World Cup. 66. Okay. I've, I've, um, and it came out in 2006. Um, and my predictions are, well, I've, I've got some definite predictions. I think we're going to win some games. I think we're going to play some great football. We're going to lose some games and I'm going to enjoy myself tremendously. Excellent. Fair stuff. Right, on that note, um, next podcast will be a week today, um, the day after we play Everton um, on Monday. Um, uh, all that leaves me to say is um, Happy New Year, hopefully, to all our listeners. Um, and thank you, Bex. Thank you very thank much. You, thank you, Zach. Um, thank you for having you... me. <laughs> As the act- actress said to the bishop. Um, <laughs> That's what and, my mum always um... said to say to people, but they give you a funny look these days, I tell yeah. you. I wonder why. Uh, especially sleep over a girl's house you know? <laughs> stop already <laughs> oh no matron uh, and on that note the future's bright the future's lily white Good night. come on Tottenham stick it in the goal come on Tottenham the pace so bloody slow you are the first team the last team my dreams have ever seen put on that lily White Hart Lane has seen its pain, it's had its lows and highs We've fought our team through thick and thin and all those boring nights And when the game is done we'll sing a song and talk it out all night Hey, Come on Tottenham, stick it in the goal Come on Tottenham, don't be so bloody slow You are the first team, the 
into that green oh, We've seen them come, we've seen them go The names up on our shirt Gods have failed as men are hailed And faces in the dirt Now gather round and sing it out And we'll talk out over her 